If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you. Happy Balls McWednesday, everybody. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. There's Director Matthew. You're you. You're listening and or watching or both, and I appreciate it very much. Thanks again for joining us on Twitter. It's at J Cameron Show. If you're watching... War Chant TV, which you'll be doing here in just a second, uh, or at least being able to hear while watching on War Chant TV. Make sure you like and subscribe. Like and subscribe and get after it and share with your buddies and talk about Florida State Clemson. And, um, you know, last week we spent a lot of time wondering where our, I guess, our, our view, our, our vantage point was for the Florida State NC State game. And we were wrestling with, you know, how to get a handle on that. There was days and hours that went by in which I thought pretty confident about the game and then other times where I didn't ultimately I picked NC State to beat us and it was the you know it's funny in the gambling world if you if you win a bet but you were on the wrong side you own it you know you say I I won by accident I I backdoored that cover that I didn't deserve or you know Somebody fumbled the ball in the last play of the game, and or something crazy happens, and you get it, you you win the bet, and you're happy to win the bet, but you know you were on the wrong side. Well, I I picked NC State last week, but I was on the wrong side. Florida State is better than NC State, and they lost the game, and it, it it's frustrating. So I win the bet, but I don't like it. I'm I'm frustrated. I I don't want to win that bet because I'd rather be right. Because ultimately, that process of being right and analyzing a game properly and knowing what a team is or is not and why a result's going to be what it is serves your uh, larger purpose long term. Um, and so I, I hated that last week I got it right but got it wrong all at the same time. And I cannot get a feel for this week other than I, I don't think Florida State's going to be able to block Clemson. And I keep coming back to that point. Um, and, you know, that doesn't mean you can't win. It just makes it a lot harder to win. And I also think that there's an incorrect narrative out there. Tom, you wrote a piece. I don't know when it's going to go up on the site. I'm really looking forward to it. I don't think – I checked earlier this morning. It wasn't there. It may be there now. Maybe I should do my due diligence before I come on. Uh, Warchant.com, your piece, I think you did a deep dive, right? Yeah, yeah. So 
the one thing that I would ask you there is this, because I, I've watched a lot of Clemson this year, a couple different reasons why, but um, I feel like DJ's had a good year. I, I, when I watch him play, I think he's a different guy than he was a year ago. Um, he's less indecisive. He's a little more patient. He's um, more confident. He's playing with more confidence. Um, Clemson isn't dynamic in the way that you're wowed by numbers and blown away by certain features of their offense. In a weird way, by Clemson standards, they're fairly pedestrian uh, by, by their standards. Well, their standards are pretty high given that they had a bunch of top 10 draft picks at quarterback. So he may not be meeting that standard, but all of the numbers and the eye test tells me he's played really well. And so I pushed back yesterday on the fellas with similar headlines and saying that I feel like he's played well. I don't think there's an indicator that he's going to come in and play poorly. Uh, he might. I do think if you're going to push back at me, you'd say that they haven't really played in an atmosphere like it's going to be here on Saturday night. And that is a fair counter. Uh, atmosphere only does so much. But I, it, you could get to him maybe. You could perhaps get in his head because they're going to have to. And to me, it's going to have to be about bringing the heat and getting rush off the edge and getting after him because I think otherwise he'll make you pay. Yeah, it's an interesting game plan, at least on its face, if you do what the previous games against Clemson suggest you should do. Now, against LSU, clearly the game plan for Adam Fuller was bring pressure because if you do, then Daniel's eyes will drop and he'll be in scramble mode. And then we just got to clean that up. So can we get his eyes to drop and then can we clean up the play afterwards? Well, you want to pressure DJ because his mechanics come off, but he is not a one-read-and-go quarterback. He's not a guy who's going to panic at the sight of pressure and then take off and run. He's going to trade physical punishment in order to make a throw, but sometimes he does so to the level like a Ben Roethlisberger where he will literally be in the process of being tackled he's as he's throwing the ball, and he trusts that frame, which is massive. He's lost some weight, but he's still a huge dude. Yeah. And that's when he can get in trouble. So you're bringing pressure, I think, this weekend, but for different reasons. Not to try to get this guy to go into scramble mode, but because if you don't, he is incredibly patient, and he will wait. If you rush three, if you rush four, and you don't affect the pocket at all, he'll sit there and go through his progressions, and then he'll beat you that way. The numbers suggest, and so does watching the games, that if you don't get any pressure on him, his patience is such that he'll wait until something comes open and then he'll make the throw. So you've got to affect him at the lower half towards his feet. If you can do that, then his mechanics get sloppy and then maybe, just maybe, he'll make a poor assumption. He'll get baited into a throw and then he'll make an awful one. It'll look awful, but it has to be for the right reasons. He won't indiscriminately just make a poor throw into coverage. He'll make some poor throws that are incompletions, but never one that puts the ball in danger unless you pressure him. So we come back to the original point, which is I think the game plan has to call for pressure, but for different reasons than earlier in the year, say, against LSU. The other reason it has to work is that you don't do anything else well. You know, Florida State's defense doesn't do well sitting back. I, I hate it. You know, if you think about the mush rush against Louisville, I thought that hurt us badly. Uh, if you think about situations where they're not able to uh, – if they have to play zone, they're not very good is my point, Florida State. So I, I think you're geared up uh, for man and pressure and, and taking risks. Um, you might get beat. You could get beat. But, you know, you can get beat lots of ways. I, I would choose the way in which you're most aggressive, and I would I would choose the way that, that your personnel is best suited for. So to me, for Florida State, I, I think it's about – listen, you, you might not have to bring anybody. 
you might not. That's the that's the huge thing because it's not necessarily the DJ's numbers tank against the blitz. They tank against pressure, sure, which can come well, in the form of a four man rush if you're good enough. Jared Verse might be able to be the difference maker in this game, um, and and I think uh, I, I think that's probably the, the route here is is to hope that he can win that one on one matchup. It's surprising that he's been as good as he has been in year one in such a massive leap forward in competition. I mean, there's a guy that we thought would come around to being very, very good because his athleticism, his strength, uh, his his fast twitch all suggested, oh, he's going to be a monster. But there was going to be a time where, you know, you had to make that transformation and learn the hard way with some matchups against some bigger kids and kids that have been in programs for a while. And that just simply hasn't been the case. When he's out there, he makes a difference, period. It is from now. It is from right now. It is the game started. He's making a difference. He's that kind of player. So let's hope that that happens here. He he is a, an intense player. Saturday night will be an intense atmosphere. If he feeds off of it and becomes a one-man wrecking crew and Clemson has to slide protections and chip, then all of a sudden, obviously, you're in a position to take advantage of that and do some other things with your defense. The thing I'd try if I was Clemson at least once or twice, and you got to pick your spot. Uh, you, you obviously don't do this in the third and long, but what DJ reminds me of in the pocket, just in the pocket in his movements, is kind of like Garrett Schrader from Syracuse, where, no, he's not going to run a 4-5, but if you miscontain, he'll loop around you, and then he's smart enough to know, oh, well, now I've got a bunch of, of running room because – you're, you should be you somewhere should be else. You you're here, not, yeah, yeah. and so I'm going to take my seven yards. He's just he's been very smart this year as DJ. The the crazy thing is, he can get fooled by assuming something pre snap that's not so. Florida State isn't great at disguise and or execution of zone principles, but I think they might try some this weekend anyway. Look at the Boston College pick. I'm sure you didn't, folks, but I'll tell you about it. They lined up in man coverage on the right. It looks like the slots in man and the outsides in man. It's not. The slot defender actually cuts underneath the outside receiver. DJ faces pressure. He thinks he's got an easy little comeback route on the right. It looks like the worst interception you've ever seen. Well, I know know which one that is. I've seen Tate's interception against uh, a couple years ago. Anthony Richardson earlier this season also had one that was unbelievable against Uh, Kentucky. That was high on the list. That's a – I still don't think it's But you say, plan. why, DJ? That's awful. He's making an assumption, and the pressure speeds up the clock, and so therefore he's forced into a bad decision. But with the running, the running ability, he's um, he's very smart there as well. So this is a daunting task, but maybe, just maybe, they haven't seen a player like Jared Verse on their schedule because their schedule to this point hasn't been all that impressive. Their ACC games are against... Good foes like Wake Forest and NC State, but do they have a defensive line like Florida State? Did Georgia Tech? Does Boston College? I don't think so. DJ on the year is completing 64%, a little more than 64% of his passes. He's got 14 touchdowns with two interceptions. Uh, he's, by and large, looked very, very good. Um, he in, And, you know, I don't – without getting pressure on him, I think he'll look good again. So it's important. We'll see if they do. Um as we talk about in every game that we go into these days, I could focus on Antonio Williams. I could focus on Bo Collins. I could look at those receivers. I could talk about that. But at the end of the day, with as beat up as Florida State's been and the longing for Fabian Lovett to get back, you know, I, I begin every game by looking between the tackles and deciding whether or not we're going to be able to stop the run because that sets everything else up. 
And the answer was surprisingly a resounding yes for the first half, much of the first half of uh, the NC State game, which really kind of dictated terms from that point forward. Uh, Florida State ended up kind of terrorizing uh, Leary there to the point they knocked him out of the game on a perfectly legal hit that was unfortunately characteristic of most officiating these days. Uh, A quarterback gets hit, that has to be a penalty because somebody touched a quarterback. Uh, That's unfortunate. But if you can do that here, if you can shut the run down again and you're able to – now, DJ's a different story. Getting to him, you better bring bring your lunch pail. He's a big kid. Uh, But you got to get him on the ground. Let's hope – Fabian Lovett starts. I saw that in the chat right at the get-go at the outset of the show. Here's somebody asked the question. We don't know. I think it's a game-time decision. Um, I don't I don't think we have any degree of certainty, and I don't think Mike is going to tell us. Yeah, I agree. And we're not allowed to really talk too much about what we see at practice in that regard. Uh, so, I mean, I know what happened at practice yesterday uh, and, and, you know, What's going on with that? But I, I, you know, we're not able to say. And and moreover, I do really think it is just a game time decision, no matter what we see at practice this week. It's critical. It's a critical development that you folks are going to want to be on the boards for. And we got our pregame show on Saturday, four thirty to six thirty. If there's an update before then, we'll let you know. Like maybe the kid goes on social media and says, "All right, it's my go. time." But short of that, you're going to want to be on the boards around seven o'clock, seven fifteen, because this game doesn't kick off till closer to quarter of eight. So I think around that time, quarter after 7, 7.15 on Saturday night, you'll see what's going on in the warm-ups. That will be the important thing. Yeah, and I again, what a boost it would be to get him back because it's not just the physical prowess that he brings to the table, although that is a very significant and more impactful part than anything else you could name. But that guy is also their emotional and inspirational leader because of the work ethic, because of the time put in, because of the domination he's capable of. Guys look to him. You know, we watched in practice when he would take over practices. Uh, We saw him in the LSU game uh, early deciding that, you know, oh, we have to ratchet things up here because LSU has some early success between the tackles, and then it's, no, we're done here. And it's a grown man's game inside those tackles. And you watch, go back and watch replays of that game, the amount of times he just sheds and dominates uh, and ends up, you know, snuffing a play two yards downfield and second and eight set up for Florida State. That has not been there uh, for the most part, not consistently, against anybody we faced since he's gone down. Now, Boston College is the exception. They, were a little overwhelmed in, in in terms of pass blocking, but rushing, they ran the ball between the tackles till they got down overwhelmingly so and really couldn't afford to run. Uh, I, I think I think to win this game, he's got to play, Tom. I, I really believe. I don't think Florida State wins this game without him. I think he's that important. Well, and it's not just you know Shipley that you're trying to stop. It's also DJ. Again, you come back to it. They run basic read option looks a yeah. lot, yeah. like a lot, a lot. And some of them turn into design quarterback runs where they have escorts, including the the tailback can be an escort along with a pulling guard, things like that. But if you don't have what you believe to be at least a stalemate in the interior, then you've got to commit an extra body, and now you're out of a gap if you guess wrong. If you guess wrong on Shipley or DJ, and there's he's smart enough to read it out and make the play. Although I will say there are times when Will Shipley looks like he wants to kill DJ because he says, keep the ball. (laughs) Keep the ball. You're You're running for days. Well, yeah, yeah, and it's it's like what we said with Jordan, you know, the last couple of weeks, and he finally did it in the first half of the NC State game, and how much does he run for? Is it 70 yards? Whatever it was on one play. And you're like, it's there, man. So that happens for DJ at times, but you've got to be aware of that. 
And if you don't have Fabian and you're still continually banged up in the interior of the defensive well, line, which the was a storyline on Saturday, that is I the mean, part. who the hell are your reserves? That's going to be something that's a fact-finding mission during the game and warm-ups as well. If Fabian's back, let's just say for argument, that's great. That's really good news. Who are the next three guys who are playing in that four-man rotation? I, you're going to have to find out on Saturday as these reps go. Tired of holding my breath with injuries, but that's the reality of our situation. We can't just wish it away and hope that things were better, and all of that is true, but it doesn't change anything, and I get a question a day about why we're so banged up, and I really don't think it's anything that Florida State isn't doing, meaning they're not ignoring things that would keep them healthy. They're not doing things that, um, you know, lead to this sort of thing. I mean, I just think when it comes to football – the guy lands on your knee sideways, you get rolled up on, you go, you, you know, you land on your shoulder awkwardly during a tackle. Things happen, but if they happen all at once, you're devastated. And we see it all the time in every sport. It's just when it's happening to your team, you feel put upon. When I watch the NFL or I watch college football, there's always a team where the storyline is can you believe how decimated they are? But when it's somebody else, it is easier to watch from afar and go, well, it sucks for them, and then you just move on and don't think about it. When it's your team, you begin to point fingers and ask, what are we not doing? Why is it so? Well, that's the million-foot view questions that I go back and forth with this week. Number one on the positive side is, how in the hell are they doing this? With all of the injuries that they suffered in the Louisville game, they won it. With all the injuries they had suffered and the legacy of that Louisville game going into Wake Forest, they're in that game. They fight back from 28-7, to yeah. and they've got massive deficiencies in Jared versus on a pitch count, and yet they have an opportunity to win the game if a couple of you know members of the secondary make some plays that were right in front of their face. And then last week, you have this panoply of injuries and all of these self-inflicted mistakes. Good use of panoply. And you're in, well, you're in position to win the football game, even with every single one of those mistakes. It's only the last one, the interception in the end zone, that actually cost you and finished the job, cost you the game. You could still survive with all those. So that's the positive thing is how in the hell are they in position to win these football games against ranked foes on a couple of occasions with what I thought was a thinner roster? Because it has to be deeper than I thought in preseason for them to be able to, to be in these positions. And then the other big question I'm asking is, why is the fourth quarter so hard so often for us? Why are we either holding our breath because we're choking away a lead or we don't finish? In a key situation. Because we're not good enough. That's the uh, the other thing but that matters. But these are competing yeah. things that are both true, and it's really hard to reconcile. Yeah, but they're both true. That's the key thing that you just noted, is that they can be competing things and both be true, and they are. Florida State's a lot better than Florida State was a year ago, but they're not good enough to overcome all of these things through four quarters and get a win most days. They did win four games in a row. They won two really close football games out of those four that were, you know, uh gut checks for lack of a better term and so when they win those games we're on cloud nine and we talk a lot about the heart and the effort and the want to and the what for and the the difference between the mentality of last year's team and this year's team when you lose close games all that gets called into question it's funny how it works when a couple of them everybody's up here and we laud them with their effort and their toughness mentally and physically they lose them you're weak you're soft the coaches are idiots that's how this works and now <laughs> I, I don't want to go down the road to history here and all the time that I've been on the air the time to criticize coaches is when you have better players every week and you're not getting the most out of them and you're either losing games that you ought not lose 
or you're involved in way too many close games despite having a superior roster. Then you start pointing directly at coaches. Not when you are an underdog on the road to a ranked team and you lose by two. Not when, you know, not... Unless it looks as it did for the first 30 minutes. No, no. That was a... a I'm not saying there isn't criticism. Right. The level to which it's taken... Oh, sure. ...is yeah. insane. Fundamental, yeah. Yeah, yeah I yeah, mean, yeah. come on. Let's not go there. So it's very... It's fascinating. It's hard to step back down off the ledge and reconcile things when you're frustrated, when you're pissed off. We've done this in our own lives with your significant others or your children or your best friend or whatever, when you're having a disagreement. or something. It doesn't erase all of the things that you love about them and you care. It's that you're having a disagreement right now or there's this thing that you've got to figure out. It doesn't change overall anything else fundamental about what that relationship is. Mike's changed and his coaching staff has helped change the path of this program. They aren't where they want to be. They're going to lose games for a variety of reasons in some cases. And sometimes he makes poor decisions. Sometimes Jordan Travis, who's played really well, makes a poor decision. Jordan Travis has taken a step back each of the last two weeks. He has. Do I still think he's a good quarterback this year? Yep, I do. Do I think he's capable of winning a lot more football games with what remains on the schedule? I do. Do I think we'll see him have games where we, we talk about him in a glowing light as one of the best in this conference? Absolutely. Is he? Does it mean that he's uh, infallible? No. No. And so when you have close games against teams that can actually ratchet up pressure and cover your receivers and beat your offensive line, is that going to force your quarterback into making some mistakes? It is. So you, you just right. you're and are you and are you concerned now about how he's going to handle that when he takes it to the side? Well, this is a good test again. He gets yeah. another one of these opportunities because the answer is yes. Going into this game, I'm concerned about how he would handle a few empty possessions in a row because he hasn't handled it great the last two times it's happened. And that is the weight of expectation that we've kind of wrestled with as well. Like when is it okay to say that somebody's pressing or a team is or not? Jeff Cameron Show, ninety three three Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Hey, so this is interesting, Tom. While we're talking, in, uh, you uh, played The Clash, of course, from London Calling, one of my favorite records. I want to I see something, all right? So be prepared for this. This may, this may end up bothering you here. Let's see what happens. Bothering me? Yeah. You trying to play something over there? Yeah, see if it was going to work. Yeah, it's good radio. Didn't work. Oh, I see what you're doing. Yeah. You're messing with you. <laughs> Yeah, I was playing I'm playing the bumper. Yeah, I'd already turned it off. Oh, we'll turn it back so on. Wait something. a minute, no, because we're gonna get dinged. No, no, I'll just it'll be inside of a half a second. Yeah, turn it back up for a second. Oh, cool. There you go. Yeah. So I can do this. So that <laughs> that patches into this computer. Apparently. Yeah. Okay. So now I know I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I'll start playing my own bumper. It's all from my list. It already is everything I've played. I know, from I know, but I sometimes I've get moods. I want to, I want to delve in. Now you erased me. You got rid of me. Don't do that. Bring me back up over here. You took away my thing. <laughs> now I'm looking at different screens. I don't care about those other screens. Uh, so, by the way, the ACC predicted order of finish via CBS Sports 
focusing on the ACC in basketball, Gary Parrish. Quick note, we are rapidly approaching basketball season. I will circle back and make a point about Jordan Travis and football in a moment. Basketball. There it is. No more having to see that SOB anymore, huh? How what a breath of fresh air. So you think. Never having to see that dude in that ridiculous die job. You're gonna get fired again, Seth Greenberg. So it reads as follows, according to Gary Parrish in the ACC. North Carolina, no surprise. Duke, no surprise. Virginia. No real surprise there. But then Miami, huh? With the Kansas State transfer that they're paying like gobs of money to help out Isaiah Wong, who thought he was that guy and found out they didn't care. Yeah, no, we're not going to give you anything. What do you think of them apples? Why don't you suck it? And then Isaiah had to go, okay, okay, I, I see, I see. Go ahead and give my money to the uh, Nigel Pack kid. I got it. <laughs> that was really kind of a quiet, fun story to follow. He tried, he tried to flex, and they went, yeah, you're a bum. Uh, Florida State, as it reads, was unusually bad last season while battling injuries pretty much from start to finish. Three of the top four scorers missed at least five games. But if the Knowles can stay healthy, the talent is in a place to be good. A core of returning scorers, Caleb Mills and former five-star high school prospect Matthew Cleveland, should have Leonard Hamilton back in the NCAA tournament again this year for the fifth time in six seasons. Yeah, I would think. Uh, losing the kid from Brown... For the season, yeah, that that takes the wind. A bit of a kick in the cojones. That's Gainey, yeah, and he was going to be a big time presence for you along the we glass. Think. Yeah, we think as a rebounder and a shot blocker. Yeah, yeah, he was going to fill up the score sheet in that way. He wasn't going to score at sixteen or mm. go sixteen and eight every night. No, but you know, you kind of need that. It was a hole in the roster last year, and I don't know that we have any solutions this year that are as established as that player was. So, ouch. Yeah, I'm I'm unhappy about it. It, it is upsetting uh, that that happened, especially don't even get the chance to see the kid play. It, it bothers you a little bit, but uh, we'll see. Did I tell you that I completed a four-game money line parlay in the NFL with that Chiefs win the other night in Heart Attack Central? No. So I had... Uh, there's a reason, because <laughs> you didn't tell me before it happened. I know. Well, I forgot that the Chiefs <laughs> were the last leg of the money line, four-team money line parlay that I bet... So the NFL fortune is coming back around. Tomorrow's Redemption Thursday. It's just on my mind. And I finally have now been able to kind of kick, kick open the door. You were never playing the NFL again until you. Well, then I the did. NFL. Well, I started playing the NFL again, and I've won two of my last three <laughs> NFL picks. And I, I, and I got that fourteen money line parlay. And um, yeah, I it yeah. So it, it's it. <laughs> maybe it means I'm about to be fabulously wealthy with my NFL selections. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm it sure could, it does. It could mean that. You just don't know. You know, the odds are in your favor. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we were talking about Jordan Travis before the break. Not specifically Jordan Travis. It was a larger point we were making about where Florida State's at, where I think they can go, and maybe what this game will look like. But towards the end, we mentioned his demeanor, his body language, and uh, the frustration that he exuded in the last football game, which I do think suggests more than just a play breaking down or a receiver dropping a pass or a play call. 
I think that is indicative of a player that has very lofty expectations and is failing to meet them, whether he is, or his teammates are, or his coach, whatever it might be. And that's good. I want my quarterback to believe that they can be capable of really consistent elite-level play. And I don't think that Jordan Travis believed he was that player a year ago at all. But I think he thinks he's that player now. Now, I don't really care to have an argument about where I would place him on that list of elite to average to wherever. It doesn't really matter. I'm only talking about what he thinks. And I want my quarterback, no matter if he sucks, I want my quarterback, and he doesn't suck. But no matter what, I want my quarterback to believe that. Because I think at that position, you'd better believe that. You better think you're capable. You better hold yourself to a very, very lofty standard. So I get being frustrated by not meeting that standard or having a series, or in this case, a half, in which it falls to pieces and the angst you feel reaches a place of boiling over. But I hope that in addition to sitting down and talking about decisions, in addition to sitting down and talking about you know, what went right, what went wrong, as you do after every game with every position group, as well as the team, you do this, this is every game. I hope there was a conversation about why it's important, and it has nothing to do with Mike Norvell with my feelings, because Mike's tough and he played ball and he gets it. Like I don't think Mike's feelings are hurt when somebody yells at him or you know, his player kind of is frustrated and walks away. I don't think his feelings are hurt. I think he's trying to communicate, and he's like, hey, man, we need to talk. But Jordan has to understand who's watching, and that's his teammates. Doesn't matter that you and I are watching. It's not a good look. You know, doesn't really endear you to the fans, but that doesn't matter. It really more matters that your teammates see that frustration and they look to you as an unquestioned leader, unshakable more importantly, unshakable, locked in, ready to go back to battle when something goes poorly, not hold on to those frustrations and failures. And it's the first time we've ever seen from him back-to-back games where things carried over, where a poor decision, a poor result carried over to the next series, carried over to the sidelines. That can't happen. That has to stop. You can't be that guy and expect to have your teammates feel about you the way they need to feel about you in the in the biggest moments of a football game. They got to believe 100% that you're moving on and you're capable and you're not uh, angry with them, angry with a play call, angry with a result. It can't be. It has to be play the next play. It has to be What's up next? Next game, next quarter, next play? Has to be. Can never be what just occurred. There's a moment in time, maybe you throw that interception and the guy's returning it and whatever, you yell out F and the camera catches you. All right, whatever, man, and that's fine. But that's that has to be the end of it. And I just hope that that, like you said, is not a burgeoning problem for him. No, I think it's a lesson that's novel to him because a lot of this is brand-new territory. You can be a pocket passer in high school, and that's fine, but there are going to be so many games when you're as gifted athletically as Jordan is. And I'm not just talking about with his legs. I'm saying as, as an athlete, throwing the ball, running with the football in your hands, that it's just it doesn't matter. You could make the wrong decision and get the right result on the scoreboard because that's high school football. For most of the guys that come to Florida State, that's high school football. You could have the wrong process but have a great result, mm-hmm. and nobody's going to be the Just wiser. because you're the better athlete. Or and whatever, they're not going to yeah. talk to you because you're the stud on mm-hmm. the team. Mm-hmm. 
but now he is having to deal with quarterback-specific problems at a completely different level where there are dudes that can do something about it. Even if you have the right process, you could have the wrong result. And in this case, he had been failed by his teammates time and time again to the point where when he finally made a mistake, it's just the world is on fire. What's interesting to me, though, is he has some experience with being let down consistently on the field. I'm not talking about by coaches because he's got that too. Oh, good God, last year he was let down on every one-on-one matchup that they had. (laughs) And on the offensive line. Yeah. you know, And you never saw him lose it on the five up front. He always praised them. He praised them in the offseason. He praised his receivers. He did everything that he was supposed to do. So I think if you're looking at the total resume of when he is let down, even with a coaching staff, Willie or Petrino before him, the dude still takes the high road most of the time. I just think what's happening is the world has changed for him in the last six weeks rapidly. He's gone from a dude that this fan base doesn't trust to this guy might be the top quarterback in the conference. That's the way he was playing through three, four games. You go, oh, my God, he's not a top five quarterback in the conference. He's top three. He might be the best player, the most dangerous one week in and week out in the conference to now you're coming back to earth a little bit. That's a lot to process. All the while you're learning lessons as a quarterback that are novel to you about not showing up teammates or, or not pouting on the sideline. It's just the man's had a lot happen in the last 45 days. Yeah, and this should be the game that we don't see it again. I agree. You've uh, got to learn from it. That doesn't yeah, mean that you can't it's, it's, continue down the no, road. No, I mean, it's it's done. You've had two games worth of it. Let's go. Uh, enough. Uh, you know, play within yourself. The expectations are what they are. This is what happens when you start winning games. This is... I mean, this is part and parcel to the successes that come with hard work and you know, and improvement of a roster. So if he's going to be the player that he thinks he is and should be, um, and has been confident enough to be, you know, to 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 be up to this point, then this is what comes with it. I mean, this is, you know, when you don't hear people criticizing body language or decisions or results, it's because they don't think you can play. You know, so now now you're going to hear it every week because people know you can play. Yeah, nobody cares if Baker Mayfield looks and pouts on the sideline right. for Carolina. That's every week. They suck. It's, He's not any good. He's about to be out of the league. Right. Nobody cares. It's over. Yeah, I mean, that's right. It's 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 ending quickly for, for that guy. But, I mean, for, for Jordan, his best days are in front of him. I really believe that. And he's got an opportunity. He's never going to be, you know, Jameis Winston or – Trevor Lawrence or any of the elite of the elite, he doesn't. He's not six foot five, two thirty with a howitzer, but he's good enough to be a good college quarterback. So, and he's shown that his capacity to learn and develop. Oh, and the work is, ethic and the yeah. commitment and the ability to endure a lot of adversity. These are really admirable qualities and things that I've liked about him and why I've rooted for him, even when I was critical of some of his play last year, which was, uh, you know, there was a lot to criticize. But he, he is a much better player now, which is why we have expectations. And I give a damn more about the now period versus the future. However, with that said, you just see all of these things that are happening for him and, and these developments, these transformations. And you and I think for a moment, boy, if he came back, and mm. I know there's speculation about whether he does or he doesn't and whatever, but if he came back next year, you talk about a grizzled vet who now has seen it and done it in every way that you can from the position. You'll, you won't, you wouldn't see that next year from him if he came back. You know, it's fascinating. I was um, there's a book that came out recently about five star uh, quarterbacks and and where are they now? And it's like this hodgepodge of uh, 
everybody that you've ever heard of over the last 15 years in recruiting, right? And it's interesting to get their responses to what it was like during the recruiting process and why they went where they went. And everybody from like Tate Martell to Jameis Winston to oh, all, yeah, you've got Tate about Tate Martell, right? So it it, wow. it it shows the successes and all the failures as well. And a lot of the names are guys where you go, oh my god, I forgot about that guy. I remember he was Mister Everything in recruitment. Gunner Keel, okay, his name he's in the book. He's in the book. So Gunner Keel's a really good one, Tom. So. Look, what happened to that kid, right? He was a prodigy. His brothers played. He was supposed to be the next great thing, all of that, right? Well, anyhow, when you when you go through all of that, you, you see so many instances in which those external expectations of a player either shape them and, and you know, turn them into uh, this, this fortified, uh, mentally tough, badass, capable of taking on the world because they've had to endure these expectations, first from their parents, then from their coaches, teammates, and then college and, every, and fans, and, and, and then later on pro scouts, right? And it breaks others. It just breaks others. They fall to pieces, never to be heard from again. You know, this guy's a social worker in Albuquerque. This guy became on nothing against that at all. Just somebody choosing a different career path because they couldn't handle the weight of those expectations. I find all that fascinating. Um, you know, when you become the guy as a quarterback like he is now, and you do have to make plays and carry your team, and you do have to lead uh, as the unquestioned leader because by definition you are as a quarterback. There's no getting out from that. You can't not be a great leader at quarterback. Man, that is a lot to adjust to, but it's also everything he's ever wanted, and that is the better way to look at it. Who cares about the external expectations? Find yours. Those expectations you've always had of yourself led you to this moment. I agree, and I think that's eventually where this is going, but listen to Jordan when he tells you that the external factors have affected him in the past. They affected his confidence. You know, He said yeah, on multiple occasions yeah. that I listened to people saying what I couldn't do, and I took that to heart, and and. In a way, this is not his word, but in a way it's self-fulfilling. That's what he's telling us last year when he, he revealed that he almost gave up the game of football, if not for Kenny Dillingham and, and Mike Norvell. And then this year when he said, I'm as confident as I've been since high school. And it's because I'm not listening to that noise anymore. You just wonder, though. That you're te he's telling you his human nature is to allow the outside to affect what's going on right now at times. Yeah, it's and a problem that's for the good. That's the good and the bad. Yeah. But he learned how to flush it for the bad, and this is a brand new lesson for the good. And then here you go. Somewhere in the middle it will land, and the track record largely says it won't be a problem much longer. But but it has been an issue. You do worry about it, though. If, if you've ever seen an indicator that, you know, um, I guess if you embrace... You know, Jimbo said a lot of things that annoyed all of us, and a lot of coaches repeat those refrains about um, process, you know, and you hear them talk a ton about process, and for good reason. But we get tired of it. We roll our eyes because every coach repeats it. It's all from the same playbook. But if your imagination and wonderment is that you dreamt of being a professional quarterback, you had better somewhere along the way come to grips with and understand that as you improve and get to a point where that's even possible, the pressures, the external pressures, get much greater. And it can never be something that affects you. So the fact that it's affected him in the past worries you. It doesn't mean he's incapable, but it does worry you. Uh, because a lot of the guys that deflect that early on are 
those are also indicators that that's never going to be a problem for them. Yeah. Yeah, what it does for me, though, is it gives me more hope for him because he's faced something that those quarterbacks have never faced before, which is the demons, and he found a way to go from a place where he's questioning whether he ever wants to play the sport again, sport that he loves, to being the toast of a football program such as Florida State's mm-hmm. and being one of the most improved players in the country year over year. I mean, it's not just us that are documenting this. I've heard on countless shows, television and radio yeah, and sure. satellite alike, where they're saying, that's a different dude this year. It's not just that their it's offensive line's better. Yeah. That dude is as improved as anybody I've seen on film year over year. So how is it that you've gone from a place to where you're listening to the critics and it's affecting you to you flushed it and you've gone to a place that you knew that you could go, but a lot of people doubted. That means that you faced the hard part of it. And a lot of those guys, they don't. Remember when Jameis, the Saturday against uh, UF, after he had the hearing here at Florida State, the special hearing? First time he was ever affected by anything. And you could see it on his face. Even that week when he was coming in and out of the facility, they had the shots of it because, of course, the national media was here. You saw it for the first time. The outside world had made its way into the space between his ears. And he looked like ass. That Saturday, yeah. Well, he, he was broken in the, uh, uh, that week, but it's crazy because that's they took everything under the sun to get but to that point. It's that's what crazy. I'm saying. Like, like uh, Jordan's not facing that. It took what was that? Eleven months? Yeah, yeah, Thirteen yeah. months? He quite literally didn't know what was being said. I found out later on. Right. It, which is really part of the answer. It is. It is so much easier to say this than to live it as a young man. Now, I mean, I get it. I'm no longer young. I marvel at the expectations, external pressures that kids feel today. And it is easy for me to say, well, just stay off social media. It's stupid anyhow. It's not the real world anyhow. Because I know that's true. They don't. They've been immersed in it and lived in it since they were alive, since they've been born. They know no other thing than that world. And you just hope that somebody's able to somewhere along the way yank that stupid electronic device out of their hand and say, it's not real. That's not real. Those people are going to say what they're going to say, and there's nothing you can do about that. But that relationship you have with your parents, your coaches, your teammates, your girlfriend, that's real. Care about what they think. Care about the people that you love in your life and what they think, but nothing else. And go play ball, man. Go ball. Everybody's got a word about that play, about that game, but you just don't know. You never know if, if if somebody has that. I know that Florida State does a very good job, and I'm not trying to overextend this into something much greater than it really is. Jordan will be fine. I'm not worried about Jordan Travis. I'm not. It's it's worth monitoring. It's why we're talking about it. We just saw it happen two weeks in a row. It's worth noting because we haven't seen it before. But and, and Florida State does a very – I know this for a fact. Florida State does a very good job, most universities do these days, of providing opportunities to learn how to deal with expectations and the pressures that come – mental health, basically. How to you know, use these tools that you're given to deal with whatever's going on in your life, right? Everybody could use that. That's everybody. That's true of therapy in general is give the tools you need to deal with any situation that you're going through. He – I think he's in a, an incredible place of support. I mean, his head coach rode with him after everything that was going on, and in terms of uh, the failures and the, and the losses, and uh, that's a guy that was pretty well unwavering, at least in, in terms of believing that Mike sometimes, to a fault, stands by everybody on that football team. It's why they love him. I'm not saying he should have ever turned his back on Jordan. I'm saying that 
I mean, Fitzgerald, all these guys, right? No, no, going to stick with him, going to stick with him. Well, that that's good. That's good. I want my head coach to do that. He's got a lot of tools to help him deal with the pressures of now being a good quarterback. <laughs> Just as simple as that. Let's hope that we begin to see it this week. I don't think they'll uh, lose this game, or, or, or they could win the game because of him, but I don't think they'll lose the game because of him. I think they'll lose if they lose for different reasons. It's Jeff Cambridge Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Yeah, rapid-fire segment here. I went long prattling about trying to get uh, inside of uh, Jordan Travis's brain. I will also say this, that if, um, you know, if it, in his case, if he's perceiving um, certain external pressures or perceiving certain things, uh, he has to figure out why he's thinking that. I think it's just because of shifting expectations based on successes, not failures. But I don't, I don't, again, worry about it. I don't think there's a problem in this relationship. Some of you, I just checked during the commercial break in the chat, and some of you were talking about whether or not it's a you know, problem with him and Mike or frustrations that are mounting there. No, no, no. I, I don't, I, it doesn't look like that. We've seen a lot think, of quarterback and head coach dust-ups over the years here, and this looks normal. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's anything. It, everything doesn't have to be to the extremes. I don't believe that it's we went from zero to 100 here. I think you can disagree with a call or be frustrated by something. Look, you know, built into modern offenses, and this is true of his offense and Jordan Travis's uh, offense that he's running, are decisions and choices. So it's not like the old days. I remember playing football way back when. Barely wore helmets, Tom. And the coach called a play, and that's the play. That's the play. You're going to run the play that I just called. And in the huddle, the quarterback would call the play, and there was no getting out of that play. That is not the case anymore. And even within a play, there are multitudes of options. Hour number two, forthcoming. Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. <laughs> 